Welcome to the Holy Commutes podcast, the only show in wiffle ball that gives you daily wiffle content from around the wiffle world. My name is Sam Skibby, and I'll be hosting your first Thursday edition of the Holy Commutes newest season, a shortened season, only going to do two weeks, and we missed out on some shows this week, but we're going to have another one tomorrow uh, along with today's, and if you caught the Monday recap from the Cook Brothers on the UF 2023 World Championship Tournament. It was a good one, and they broke it down a little bit, and I'm also going to do a little breakdown. I have a 10 moments to go through or 10 different items to cover from United Wiffle, kind of like a top 10, but not really a top 10 per se, just a list of 10 items that I kind of compiled everything to. For those of you that don't know, I attended the United Wiffle Ball World Championship Tournament this year but I was unable to play. It'll be my second year in a row then that I was not able to play. Last year had some family stuff going on that I was on a roster and literally on Wednesday before the tournament found out I couldn't go. And then this year, four weeks before the tournament, I tripped backwards over my door frame. I'm getting old, yes, and broke my fifth metatarsal in my foot, had surgery, pins put in, and could not play. I was replaced on the roster. We thought maybe I could hold off a little bit to see if I could play, but could not. But I still decided I was going to go. Had the flights booked, had the hotels booked and everything, and wanted to still go and support not only our team, but also this tournament. Didn't want to miss it two years in a row. Now, can't thank enough all of the people that are involved in this. That's going to be kind of my first topic, is to thank the Cook Brothers, thank Tim Dean, Thank Anthony and everybody else on the media team and on the tournament committee, everybody that has a hand in doing this tournament. It really brings the sport of wiffle ball to kind of a end point for the year. We have a lot of big tournaments throughout the year, but this one I can tell everybody gets really excited for towards the end of the year. That October, crisp October weather always hits you. They moved it up a weekend, which I thought would help with the weather, but we still had some very cold evenings and very cold mornings with the rain, but it worked out really well. So I want to thank, that's my first kind of topic is thanking everybody that has a hand and involved. I kind of had a, a little hand in the media this year. I told them that I would help out with some announcing and help out with some different interviews and things throughout this year's tournament because I was not playing. But obviously you get caught up watching and I think that's what happens in this tournament. Everybody gets so caught up in the awe and the magnitude of this tournament. There's so many games going on and so much to do that sometimes I think the media side of things somewhat gets laxed. And this year, I think they did a little bit better job. We, we all kind of got together and took pictures of the, the brackets a little bit more, tried to do a little more tweeting. But, you know, ultimately, there's still some room for improvement. And anybody that would love to step up and help, I know I tried to step up a little bit this year. And next year, I want to help, even if I'm playing too. So thank you to the Cook Brothers for putting on another great event. And I can't wait for next year. That leads me into... Uh, my next topic, there's a little bit of next year involved, but also want to recap Friday night. Friday night was a great time. The Friday night festivities, the Cook Brothers talked about it on their Monday podcast and talked about how they have kind of met their peak. They, it was such a great job on Friday night, so organized that I felt like it was at a peak and I can't wait to see what they're going to add. If you caught their Monday show, they talked about what is something that they could add to it to make it a little bit better. Some things that surprised me that I enjoyed 
home run derbies in the past have lasted so long into the evening. There was a time that I was in the final 12, I believe, getting close to the final three, and it was like cutting into 10 o'clock, 10.30, and I was telling my brother, who I had to pick at the airport late that night, this a couple years ago, that I wasn't going to be there till late to pick him up because I was still waiting to see if I was going to make finals. And it lasted so long. I felt like the first couple of years, some organizational stuff and just lasted forever when you include the younger, younger kids as well that came uh, the past couple of years too. But this year, the home run derby was over before 8.30. And then everybody looked around like, well, what do we do? So it, it's just so interesting that we've kind of got this well-oiled machine. I mean, everything was over. Even the U17 or the, the, the kids' home run derby was over. The MLW home run derby was over. And the UWIF uh, home run derby, congratulations, Will Smithy, uh, and a monstrous performance. And I think it has the record now for how many home runs hit in 30 seconds. And... This was a, a well-run machine on Friday night. Yeah, it'd be cool to add something new. Um, hopefully, we can still keep that Hormone Derby moving along quickly. And one other thing that happened on Friday night that maybe some people missed out on or haven't heard about was Jackson Crosley and Gus Skibby, along with KWL, uh, Tyler Flackney at one point came over, and a few other teams got involved. And there was some betting lines going on for every single player in the home run derby. They, Gus or Jackson would set a line um, based on what they knew about the hitter. And if they went, and then everybody else would throw in a dollar for over or under. There was money exchange. There was um, yells from center field if you heard us. And it wasn't because we were mainly excited about you hitting home runs. It was, did you hit the over or the under that was bet on? So what an electric atmosphere it was. And it was so funny, if, if any of you know my brother Gus, he can turn it on and be social when he needs to be, but he is not that social of a guy. And as we were leaving, we were like, it's only 8.30, should we go somewhere, go to a bar? You know, we were going to go to a, a brewery or something like that. And Gus said, I think I've hit my maxed out amount of social. <laughs> so he, he was on that night and uh, him and Jackson had such a great time and it was great to have Jackson Crosley there to experience that on Friday. So thank you, Cooks, for a great Friday night. Can't wait to see next year what comes of that. My next topic is going to be people missing. Um, I talked about how I couldn't be there to play. I, I was still able to come, but there was a few other people that just seemed to be missing from the weekend. You know, your Pete Maccabees, your Kevin Norris's, and so many other people. A couple of people from Missouri I wanted to mention that were missing from last year. Jordan Smith, who played on Way Too Beautiful last year. And then Cam Smith of the Canes, both play in the Moeth League here in St. Louis. And all of those people missing from their teams. I don't know if it was just the weekend, um, you know, people playing for maybe the second weekend, and now it's moved to the first weekend, if that messed people up. There's some injuries, I know, as well. But it, it was tough to see all those people missing. I personally could not play, and while I still got to come, it was awesome to see a replacement come for me in, in Ryan O'Rear, who plays in the MOF League. He played in the Miracle Team last year, and this was maybe a slightly more experienced roster that Ryan could fall into. And Ryan joined a team with Gus Gibby, who has was attending his third UF tournament. And then along with three rookies on the Miracle team, Colin Wilkerson, Caleb Schweigert, and Jackson Crosley. 
And Ryan O'Rear stepped up and had a great tournament. And it was really fun to see him kind of mesh well and get in. So I was really glad while people were missing, I'm still glad that some people got to experience it in our absence. Ryan O'Rear, I want to tell a quick story about him while we're on this is we were 2-0 heading into our 2-0 game on Saturday midday against, of course, the Phenoms. And the Phenoms had been rolling all day long. I'm talking an 18-0 win, 15-0 win. You know, they were, they were just all over teams. And we pitched Gus and we were thinking, okay, Gus is going to get his, he's fresh. He's going to get a, going to maybe give them a good game. And boy, were we wrong. Josh Pagano goes off for three home runs and a double in the game. Uh, Vin Lee with a home run of his own and they kind of exploded. Gus pitched, I think, only one inning, and after giving up, you know, one home run to Josh Pagano and a double, then we brought in uh, Colin Wilkerson, who came in and just kind of limit the damage as much as possible. You know, they're up, I think, fourteen to nothing against us, and clearly looking to get the number one seed, just because they had three mercy rules basically of finishes. And Ryan O'Rear steps up to the plate and hits a solo home run off Vin Lee. And as you all know, in the tiebreakers, it's runs allowed that causes you to get seated with. Um, that's the tiebreaker for all the 3-0 and teams, et cetera, down the line. So runs allowed is the first tiebreaker. And there were two teams that did not give up a run. And the Phenoms went from a perennial number one seed to dropping down to all the way to third. So uh, the Phenoms have Ryan O'Rear to thank. Tyler Flackney and the Meats uh, even bought Ryan a beer after the pool play was over because they got to be the two seed and they moved up one. So uh, Ryan O'Rear, a special moment, and I know that's one he'll talk about for a long time. So I'm going to stick kind of with the, the tournament a little bit as we're getting started here. The format. The third topic is going to be about format and I truly believe that this is the best one. Two years in a row, they've done this format. This is kind of like a modified format of the first season of UIF. The second year of UIF, we all know, was just not good. The format was bad, and that's why we went to these past two years of this format. And I really think it is the best format that we could ever have. The best old, the best teams always seem to rise to the crop, the top of the crop here, and there is some luck in this tournament, especially, you know, with the random draw at the beginning, like obviously the Phenom is rolling through and getting three mercy wins, you know, with Inc having kind of an easy road to get there as well. Um, but there's some luck because there were some groups of death, you know, the meats had to come out of a good group as well. And they, there's always going to be some luck involved, but it seems like this is not as much as other tournaments. Even the NWLA tournament, I feel like is a little more luck heavy a lot of times than the UF tournament. Cause if you look at the final eight, even if you go back and look at the the games that the two and the top twenty four, excuse me, the top twenty four games, you look at those and teams like the Stompers or TC thirty five or the Canes. You know, these are teams that had kind of a rough road going one and two at the beginning, and then all of a sudden kind of find their way into the top twenty four, and then make it somewhat to the sixteen Sweet sixteen Elite Eight. So for all those teams to kind of grind it out and have the pitching depth to, to get that far um, shows some resilience and shows how much that this format truly does work. So I commend us for finding this format and I hope we keep it. I'm sure there will be modifications along the way, whether it's adding more teams or if less teams show up in the future, something like that. I don't see that for, I don't foresee it happening, but 
I think this format should be here to stay. It's really cool to have options for teams to work together and play together all year long. And I know that's what they were trying to do in season two. Um, But with the eligibility rules, still having to play with three players. um, I heard there might be some things in the works for next year um, about some other ways that you can try to play with each other all year long and some, some advantages that you can get. But we'll see if those tend to be true um, in the future as we listen to what the format might stay. But I really hope the, the essence of the format stays intact. Talk about the U17 tournament real quick. I'm not going to touch on it a lot, but man, these kids can chuck. I was announcing the quarterfinals and the semifinal games on YouTube for field number one. And in the distance in center field, in the breaks and the game that I was announcing, I could watch and see these players, these pitchers pitch lights out and the hitters coming alive against these amazing pitchers. Paul and Tim talked about it a little bit, but they're just on a different level at that age than a lot of us were. And I truly believe they could compete with a bunch of these teams in the main tournament. And I can't wait to see them graduate up into it. The, it's going to be really interesting to see what teams fall out of the guaranteed, base, quote unquote, guaranteed 40 spots, uh, because you really got to sign up. I mean, with all these young kids coming in, you better be on your ball signing up the, the first, first couple of days for the tournament, because I, th- I feel like these 40 spots are going to go a lot quicker, especially when these kids from the U17 tournament start graduating into the main tournament. But congratulations um, to all the teams in the U-17 tournament. And when RJ Walgate was eliminated and there was going to be a new champion, that's always something special when a new champion can be crowned. And it was, it's going to be really interesting to see, as Paul and and Tim said on Monday, which teams are going to scoop up some of these young talent players in the future. So U17 tournament, always a hit. Thanks to MLW for coming back again and making that a huge hit for all those kids and putting us on the map as well with their clout for this tournament too. So I want to kind of continue, go to the main tournament again. And my next topic is going to be, I'm going to highlight some different teams or things that I saw um, and I'm going to first start with the Bombers, the Border City Bombers from Canada. One of the reasons why it was the World Championship, our first Canadian team, and met those guys on Friday night. I did a little interview on uh, with them. If you haven't heard it, uh, go go check it out on Instagram, on the United Wiffle Instagram page. And the the main point of it is they only bats they brought were yellow. (laughs) They brought yellow bats to this tournament and actually one of their players couldn't come. So they only had three and a player from Missouri was asked to join them. Quentin Meyer, who was coming with us, him and his dad were coming along with the miracle team to just tag along and, and watch our boys play on the big stage. But Quentin actually got the call to play. Very exciting moment for him. Uh, Just turned 18. So he, uh, is was really excited to just play and get some get some innings in against some really good teams. The Border City Bombers uh, had a tough road. They had a, a tough road in their first season uh, of the tournament, but they kept their heads up and they are super excited to come back in the future. And I hope they do because they were a great great bunch to be around. Um, and I know we'll be in contact with them throughout the season next year. And hopefully they come back. I know they had a lot of fun. So thanks for Paul and Tim for getting them there. And I'm glad that we could get the world championship continued with Canada. 
Quentin joined them. They got to use Quentin's big bat. Uh, he had a water bat that he brought. So they got to use the water bat. And I think they now hold the record for most runs scored in a game. They played Vortex in the 0-2 game. And I'm pretty sure the score was something like 41-39. to So 80 runs scored in one game <laughs> is uh, something special. A lot of home runs hit that game. Q got his first home run at UFs too. So uh, exciting that Q got to play even if they went 0-3. But it was a good experience for him who is on my team in the MOIF League here in St. Louis. So uh, loved getting to know the Bombers. Another team I want to highlight is the North Stars. Trent Steffes, Austin Steffes, um, and Dumpy, and Evan Sibbett. Those guys fought their way to 2-0, and went 2-1, and and it's really special to see them grow as a team. Uh, at one point, they were playing CCW, and we were watching that game from afar. And for them to come out with a win like that, and hitting bombs off of CCW was something really special um, to watch and see. And I know even CCW, while I know it stinks to lose, they were still excited for them as well. So seeing Trent Steffes hit a home run and then go around the bases and we're all yelling for Trent from afar was a special moment. So congratulations to the North Stars. Can't wait to see the improvements into next year. I know Trent's super excited. And another person I wanted to highlight kind of in this trio of highlights real here is Colin Prentice and Colin Prentice. I mean, if they had an Ironman award this year, I feel like it's got to go to him. He pitched so well for so long Saturday and into Sunday and Colin Prentice led the stompers to uh, the elite eight finish and they beat, you know, the North stars going into it and, and continue down the line. So congratulations to the stompers for making it that far. One of the more fun teams to watch in my opinion. And, it looked like they were kind of down and out when they were in the one and two side of things, but they just kept fighting and clawing. And when Colin Prentice is on your team and has so much stamina on the mound, um, he'll stare down any strike zone with the best of them and he will get it done. So Colin Prentice, Iron Man, in my opinion, uh, such a fantastic tournament for him. And we'll move right along to another game. My next topic is another game and kind of an experience with the team that I, my team that I had was the Saturday night, one of the final games, it was the Sweet 16 game between the Phenoms and CCW Skull Crushers. And we saw a masterful game. Jordan Robles, Will Smithy on the mound. And we decided, our team, the Miracle, we got some beers and we pulled up on the... I think it's called the White Claw Terrace. It's one of the seltzers. There's a there's a terrace up there in left field. And we sat up on the terrace. We pulled the big chairs and we just lined the terrace looking over the edge of kind of that monster, so to speak, of the, the game, the Phenom CCW. And we watched a masterful pitching performances and just two teams grinding it out. And in the end, obviously, the Phenoms were victorious. But we had so much fun watching that game where we're yelling at both teams, getting excited for everybody. Reed Warner's out there dancing. Uh, Brendan Dudas, we're making smile in the outfield. Uh, we're yelling at Vin and, and Jordan because they were on our Mojo team in the MoWiF Classic. So we're, we're just having fun with everybody out there. So it was an exciting game to watch. And I think it was one of the games of the tournament, in my opinion, especially on a Saturday night stage like that. And we were our team was basically the only ones watching that game uh, up in the corner there. I know most teams leave, but 
we decided we were going to have a, a different experience at UF this year. We stayed to the bitter end. Um, we saw the championship game. We had late flights, but we also Saturday night wanted to see some great games and see who makes it on. So I'm glad our team stayed. I'm glad our team didn't just leave and go, you know, maybe get some late dinner or something. We we ate the chicken tenders at the, at the ballpark. We ended up getting some late night pizza, but um, it was fun to have our whole team up there just rooting on two great teams and watching some great wiffle ball. So it's a, it's a tournament experience that I think I, I don't want to miss out on to see those great games. So thanks to the Phenoms and CCW for our entertainment on Saturday night. One, one thing I hilariously want to highlight is this season, this tournament year, had had to be the most broken strike zones we've ever seen. From Chris Sarnowski, um, hitting one and, and panicking coming up on Sunday morning to, to the booth to tell, <laughs> to tell the cooks that he broke one of the strike zones on one of the fields. And then that same day, Colin Prentice on field one hitting the home run, if you've seen the video, and just punches the strike zone and instantly regrets it. From elation to hitting that home run to the hilarious uh, video reaction that he had of breaking the strike zone. Uh, So fun to see. And yes, had to be the most broken strike zones in tournament history. Um, I wonder what Shirey and uh, the Cooks are are thinking about that and what they're going to do. Build another one, I guess. Now, uh, I do want to, I have two more topics. We went through eight. So thanks for hanging in there with me, trying to get this under 30 minutes for you for your holy commutes, your commute on this Thursday morning. And my next topic is going to be about the stadium. The Wellspan Park in York, Pennsylvania is a great stadium. Everything about that stadium is good for the tournament. The seating arrangements, the different highs and lows of the state, the, the cool parts of the stadium. There's so much that people can view as a uh, as an attendee of this tournament. There's the batting cages that are in use for all the teams if need be um, in in the right field area. There is the the upper terrace decks areas. There's the yellow tents that have the. Um, the coverage for for rain if need be out in right field there's the the great concession stand food honestly you know the amount of food you get for the prices is, is very decent um great beer on tap beer is a little expensive but that's at every stadium obviously and then you also have the great grounds crew and what they allow what they allow this tournament to do to their field is something that we can't live without and if we ever found a new stadium it would be you'd have to find somebody with that same partnership that will allow you to do that but i'll say it again and the one thing that i always wish is i wish that it was in a more metropolitan area a more city that you could fly easily into if many of you know that if you come and fly, you fly into you can fly into a, def, a bunch of different places. Obviously, people have flown into Harrisburg, only about a thirty minute drive. That's fine. Um, we fly into BWI. We fly Southwest, so Southwest doesn't go to Harrisburg. So we go BWI, and BWI is about an hour and twenty minutes or so. Yeah, we have to rent a car. No big deal, um, and we drive. Like I said, it's no big deal if we have to do it. We will do it for this tournament because we love it that much. But I do wish that it was in a more centralized metropolitan city. Where would we host it, though? That, that's kind of a fun, fun thing to think about because I feel like we've hit this mark so much. And you look at MLW who, you know, SoFi Stadium and they're going to play in Atlanta this year and they can 
have a stadium where they probably will have the same amount, if not maybe a little bit more people that could be there to watch these games. So to get maybe a minor league stadium somewhere that is closer to an airport doesn't seem out of the question. It's the relationship I know that is built with the people with the uh, the grounds crew and people from York, Pennsylvania at Wellspan Park that has been so great for this tournament. But you know, Paul and Tim want to keep it probably central or close around you know their home uh, so that they can be there on a whim and they can quickly get there too. So I totally understand it's going to be in the Northeast somewhere. But I would wonder if there's somewhere in Baltimore, or there's somewhere that's in even Washington, D.C., like how cool it would be to do it at the Capitol or to to do it in in Pittsburgh or somewhere where uh, there's a more centralized location to fly into with all major airlines. So I'd be interested in what everybody else thinks too. If you could host it anywhere you wanted, um, let's, let's stay in the Northeast though, because we know it's going to stay there. If you could host it anywhere you wanted in the Northeast that's in a major airport, where would you like to host it? Would love to see your comments uh, as we tweet out this episode. So new stadium. Nothing against Wellspan Park. I want to make that absolutely clear again. I love the stadium and love everything about it. All right. And my final topic for you, and I believe this is my 10th topic. My final topic is congrats to the champs, usual suspects, second time champs of the United Wiffleball Tournament following the Jugs two times. We have seen the same two champions in four years. So who is next? It's could be a lot of teams. The final eight, the final 16 are teams that could easily make a run. People are always talking about teams like the Phenoms with Fink. You know, the Canes have been a topic of conversation. Randy Dalby had an amazing tournament as well. And the uh, the Stompers even almost making a run, almost almost surprising everybody, tying the with Ink game and almost making it there. With Ink kind of ran out of gas a little bit. I was watching both of their games, uh, ran out of gas in the in the second game for them in the uh, final four. But it is it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next year. I love the Jugs, love the usual suspects, but I don't want either of these teams to win. Again, I want it to be a new team. And I know the Jugs especially will say, well, then come take it, you know, come get to where we were. It just, I, we felt like watching the usual suspects and the Jugs in the championship game was just like, eh, it's another walk in the park. Like it was like, this is, this is just expected. There was no like excitement or underdog mentality. It was like both these champs just kind of like duking it out, which is sometimes fun to watch. But, um, as a fan, as just a watching participant this year, I was, I was hoping for some, some flash or something, something new. So once again, congratulations to the jugs. Congratulations to the usual suspects, two teams that we have to knock down to take their spots. So it's all up to all of us. It's up to every single one of us. And I'm sure they welcome the targets on their backs, but they are even bigger this year. So let's take it from them in 2024. Thanks for listening to the Holy Commutes. Uh, kind of my top 10 or 10 different items, 10 things that I wanted to talk about from United Wiffleball 2023. I am currently walking on my walking boot. I'm making progress and I'm ready for the wiffle ball season. Uh, it stinks that this happened right before UWIF, but at least it happened at the end of the wiffle ball season and not in the middle of it. And I can have all winter to rest up. Currently walking on and I can't wait to get back out there for SWBL, for MoWIF, and for all the other tournaments throughout the year. What a year of wiffle ball it was. Um, I might be back next week for your Thursday edition of Holy Commutes. 
maybe do a recap of the year, kind of talk about um, the national wiffle side of things with the, the tournament teams and wiffy awards and all of that that might come up. But only two weeks in October, and then we'll be back in January kind of doing some 2024 talk as well. Um, part of 2024 in January will also be kind of the announcements of the main wiffy awards and things. So hopefully people enjoy that. It's a good off-season you know, awards I know they don't mean much, but just to give some recognition to people around the country. So thank you all for listening to Holy Commutes, your only show in, in uh, excuse me. Thank you for listening to Holy Commutes, your only show in Wiffle Ball that gives you daily content from around the Wiffle world. My name is Sam Skibby, your Thursday host for this week, and hopefully back next week as well. Tomorrow, you got Josh Smith that will be on for a podcast to end your first week of the Holy Commute's shortened season in October 2023. Thanks for listening. Thanks to everybody who came out for UFs and all the hard work that the Cook Brothers and everybody does for the tournament. Can't wait for 2024. See you.